Hi, this is Master Naturalist Mac Austin. You're listening to Smart Talk. And being smart means wearing a mask in public. The Mike Novak Show starts in three, two, one. Vincent. Do you want to hear my Fox Force 5 joke? Sure. Except I think I'm still a little too petrified to laugh. No, you won't laugh because it's not funny. But if you still want to hear it, I'll tell it. I can't wait. Okay. Three tomatoes are walking down the street. Papa tomato, mama tomato, and baby tomato. Baby tomato starts lagging behind, and Papa tomato gets really angry. Goes back and squishes him. Says, ketchup. <laughs> ketchup. See you around. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine will good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Jet streams, perfect air. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova. Good planets are in the main. Right. Okay, let's take that very loud music out of there right now. What? Huh? 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 Uh, Randall, you might consider bringing that down just a little bit into our headsets. Welcome to the show. Uh, boy, I am so excited about this today because this is the time of year, folks. When This is what everybody waits for. We've had COVID-19. We've had social unrest. Uh, and a lot of people, all they want to do right now is they want to plant tomatoes. Okay? And they want to be safe in their backyards. They want to plant tomatoes. They want the tomatoes to work because... There's never been more of an urgency to grow things in your own yard. And so I've got two of the best right here on the show with us this morning. Uh, We have Casey Tomato from, of course, the Casey area of the heart of the country. And then from the elite East Coast, we (laughs) (laughs) we have Craig LaHoulier. Uh, who's just moved? You're the NC Tomato. The, the nicknames you should know, folks. We've got Casey Tomato and NC Tomato Man. Uh, that's Craig, and he's uh, in North Carolina. And you just did a big move in the middle of all this pandemic, didn't you? Um, one day, Sue, my wife Sue, and I were sitting on the couch in October, and we looked at each other and we said, "It's time to downsize. It's time to move." Jumped on Zillow, found a house, moved, sold our house, all within three months. Just before COVID hit, somehow we got it all done. So now we are in Hendersonville, North Carolina, 
um, kind of in the mountains, a place where Keith is quite familiar. We've been sharing notes on places that he's visited and I now live here. So uh, gardening is very different for me here. Uh, I've jumped from a zone seven to a zone eight. I mean, sorry, a zone eight to a zone seven. I'm gardening on a septic field. I'm gardening above ground and I'm having the time of my life. Well, you know, going from, uh, 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 by the way, you, you said Keith, and that is Casey Tomato. Yeah. That, that's his real name. And I want to tell you, Casey or Keith, however we're going to call you today, uh, you look like you're sitting in the West Wing right now. <laughs> <laughs> I call it the East Wing of the house. Actually. That's the East yeah. Wing of the house. Ah. Okay, so, you're looking south. Uh, we're looking south. Uh, so, yeah. uh, Craig, you're now in Zone 7. And I was going to say, you know, going from Zone 8 to Zone 7 doesn't seem like a, a, a big deal. Uh, what zone are you in there, Casey? Um, it depends on who you ask. It used to be five, but it's probably six now. Mm. All right. So we're, and I'm in a five slash six zone yeah. here. Um, I can tell you that when I had a house in the Pacific Northwest, um, that was zone eight, but it, but it was a different kind of zone eight from, and you're nodding Craig from, from what yeah. you have in North Carolina, because yeah. it was maritime influence, um, you didn't expect to grow really good tomatoes where we were. You didn't have the degree days. And I remember one of my first talks was at the, the PNW Flower Show. And I was showing how Raleigh and Seattle are in the same zone. We had 850 degree days and they had 400. And that right there was why they had trouble ripening their tomatoes. They just did not get the heat. Mm. Uh -huh. big, big effect. And I think this is a really good lesson to, to start with for uh, folks who are gardeners and they look at the, the USDA hardiness zone map and they go, oh, I'm in five, I'm in seven, I'm in eight, whatever. There's different kinds of sevens and eights and fives. Um, you, go ahead, Craig. Yeah, the zones really talk about when you can plant things out and when they're going to die by frost, but it doesn't tell the full story of everything that happens in between. So. As Keith will know, what I'm going to expect going from Raleigh, where we had 60 days of 90 or above last year, to Hendersonville, where we may have two or three, I'm going to have better tomato fruit set because all of my big beefsteaks won't have fruit set problems when we have five days in a row of 95 degrees and the, and the humidity is high. So, But what I'm going to do this year is just observe and see how <laughs> it goes. I have got a lot to learn, a lot to learn well, how many uh, plants do you have right now? And, and, and folks should know that, yeah, you know, this is a guy. All right. This is where we give the plug. Uh, Craig is the author of this book, Epic Tomatoes, uh, how to select and grow the best varieties of all time. Uh, he's trying to get to 100,000 copies, folks, sold so that he can do the second version of it. <laughs> Those, those darn, those mean, mean publishers are saying, you need to sell 40,000 more copies of this book before we're going to let you do that. Um, and of course, uh, what I'm going to do, because I did this before, uh, while we're doing book plugs, uh, Attack of the Killer Asparagus is available at aroundtheblockpress.com. Write me if, if you want a copy of that. And, I, and all, all of my hundreds of people who, who bought this book will tell you what a fine book it is. <laughs> yes it is what about you casey when's your book coming out uh probably never gonna write a book uh i'll do a radio show <laughs> <laughs> you can i'll tell you what oh, Keith, you can you can have mine all right right now yeah, there you go. Well, yeah i'd like to do like the furniture guys did back in the 90s 
do a, a gardening show like but like the furniture guys. You remember them? You don't? Uh, no, I don't think Ed Feldman, Joe Valerio, they were on TLC or something like that. But they, okay. they yeah. fixed furniture, but they made esoteric references all the time to uh, what they were doing. And they they were really smart, but they were really witty East Coast. It's funny, funny show. Well, they're, they're, I'm disqualified already. I'm just not. Okay, sorry about that. that. <laughs> oh, Keith, anyway, how about how about yeah. the tomato version of this old house? <laughs> yeah, this old tomato. Go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this old tomato. I like it. <laughs> Except you don't want an old tomato. Uh, you want a fresh tomato. Um, I have a story about that. Well, I, but that's for later. I did oh. the I did the website thing in the past, but uh, and I used to answer a lot of questions like Craig's had done but i started getting really strange questions early on and i was also mm -hmm. associated with the university so i had to be really careful about what i said because mm -hmm. it was very early on in the internet and somebody wrote me one time and asked can i put antifreeze in my wall of waters and it, i don't know whether they were asking me can i or should i but it, it kind of threw me there because i'm like i'm not really sure what they're doing and um you know it's not a good idea but when I when I started getting things like that, and then Google came along and more questions were being answered, I, I kind of backed off the whole thing. Mm -hmm. uh, people were more interested in me than the tomato website. I wanted to make it about tomatoes and not me. But you're so a fascinating guy, Casey. No, I don't guy. think so. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so there's one thing I don't know if I should say this or not, but yes, Keith, I get a lot of questions. And I've thought of a hashtag. I'm not on Twitter anymore. So it would be RTFB. And I won't even explain what it means. But the last word is book. And the first word is read. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. An old technical writer phrase, yes. Yeah, but, that, but that's fine because I actually find that Gardner, well, in these days where COVID has created zillions of new gardeners, I feel like those of us who at least are pretty good at it owe ourselves to get out there and help these new gardeners to succeed so they mm -hmm. become longtime gardeners we don't want people swooping and buying a ton of seed and then all disappearing when the first year they try to garden they have disasters you want so, them to be successful and, and we're going to be successful yes uh you want you want them to do this again not just when there's a pandemic uh although there may be one every year now we we just don't know uh yeah. we have a, a little more than a minute in this uh, first segment but before we move on um see <laughs> Casey, I have to, when you make a reference, you got to explain it. And when you say wall, Sorry. wall of water, yes. what are you referring to? Um, they are a product that have cells in it and you fill it up with water and you put them around plants and it's supposed to bring the heat in and make them produce a little bit earlier. They're like little greenhouses that right. you put around the water. And it looks kind of like the devil's tower out of yeah yeah close exactly. encounters yeah <laughs> yeah something like that i was thinking like a, a radiator that you can bend around but because that's kind of what it is too i don't want richard dreyfus in my garden <laughs> <laughs> so, no he'll rip it up yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right so here's what we need to do here's what we need to do is uh, tell folks who are, are watching us and listening to us get your tomato questions in right mm -hmm. now because we're going to dive into this i'm going to talk about mine peggy will talk about hers casey and craig uh, and uh, send us on Facebook and on Twitter. and Or you can even call us, 877-711-5611. We haven't used a phone in more than three months so for a phone call. So let's try it. <laughs> it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. It's Tomato Mania 2. 
with Casey and NC, and we will be right back. We continue to live in interesting and challenging times. As we've learned over the past few months, something as important as tree care can be made much more difficult by unexpected events like the COVID-19 pandemic. Bartlett Tree Experts understands that and has made safety their number one consideration. But that's not surprising because safety has always been their number one concern and will continue to be their concern as we move into the next phases of this crisis. Something else we've learned over this time is that people love their trees and from a safe distance have been eager to talk to Bartlett Arborist representatives, whether from the safety of their porch or through a window or over the phone. They also know that Bartlett can make outside areas safer from ticks, which are having a banner year thanks to a mild winter. Bottom line, the folks at Bartlett Tree Experts want to say thank you to their customers for loving trees and understanding that every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Welcome to Keep Eating Healthy. If you're looking for something to literally spice up a meal, look no further than Backyard Patch Herbs. They grow, harvest, dry, and blend their herb mixes. And they're chemical-free. No gluten, no salt, and no preservatives. Dips, dressings, rubs, cooking mixes, soup mixes, herbal teas, and more. Use the code MIKE10 and get 10% off your purchase. Go to BackyardPatch.com or click on the Keep Eating Healthy logo at MikeNovak.net. Welcome to Keep Eating Healthy. Joe's Blues brings Michigan's sweetest naturally grown pesticide-free blueberries to Chicago with 12 CSA drop-off sites in the area or get them at Chicago farmer's markets. Joe's Blues also sells zero and low-sugar blueberry preserves, pure dried berries, 35% cream ice cream, moisturizing soap, and more. Sign up now for safe social distancing you-pick events this year. Go to joesblueberries.com or click on the Keep Eating Healthy logo at mikenovak.net. Ain't nothing in the world that I like better than bacon and lettuce and homegrown tomatoes. Up in the morning, out in the garden, get you a ripe one, don't get a hard one. Uh, best tomato song ever written. Uh, one of the best songs ever written. Uh, that's Guy Clark. I love playing that. And uh, I'm, I'm basking in his glory right now. That's why I got the shades on. Actually, you'd be you'd love to see my setup here because uh, I got a skylight overhead and it lasts light on me. So last week, we, we have a, a tree uh, rack here, a, 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 a coat rack or a hat rack that tied in the pellet. Hello? I'm here. <laughs> There's a weird noise going on there. Did anybody else hear that? Or yeah. Okay. That was just, it was, it was like the monster. Uh, I was thinking, I was thinking alien myself, but yeah, uh, it was the attack <laughs> of the killer. Attack of the killer tomatoes comes in the second hour today. Just, you know, <laughs> so anyway, I got a, a, an umbrella hooked up at gaff gaffers tape uh, to this tree coat rack. Uh, and it's sitting above me, so that's the only way I can I can do this in this part. Hey, folks, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We've got our tomato guys here uh, on the Zoom machine, and uh, we actually have a phone call uh, that had that come pouring in. So let's go to the phone and welcome to the Mike Novak Show. Hi. Hi. Hello. Love your show. Hello. I had a question about curling tomato leaves. Okay. Go for it. Uh, um, I have two out of eight tomatoes. 
where the leaves are completely curled up around each other, around themselves, and I'm not seeing any discoloration, and I can't find any bugs. And so Mike said, call in if you have a question. So I called <laughs> in. What's the variety? Um, they're both, I think they're both KC tomatoes. Um, one oh, is no. a, one is a garden treasure, not the garden gem. No, and that's not, a, that's, a not Delta, that's not, a, that's not a, that's KC not a KC. That's a Dr. Harry Clee from the tomato. University okay. of Florida. Ah, okay. Okay. And then the other is, uh, uh, Delta Queen. Okay. That is a, that is a KC yeah. tomato. So what's, um, what should, should I, or do they have a virus? Should I pull them out? What's, no, I don't, know? I don't think you have a virus. Have <laughs> you, uh, have you cultivated any? Have you like uh, hoed around them recently or um, d disturbed the soil in any way? I don't think so. We had a huge storm, really windy day. Um Three or four days ago. Okay, so. Um, um, but I haven't disturbed the soil around them. If, if there's, you don't see browning or really strange looking growth. Um, so there's two things right now. What I probably think it is, is leaf roll. Mm -hmm. And so the top of the plant is getting out of balance with the roots and the leaves will roll up and it'll want to change the water status. So mm -hmm. if there's been a quick change, plants respond to that physiologically. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And usually plants grow out of that. Mm -hmm. um, it could also be this is the time of year when everybody's spraying lawn chemicals. And 2,4-D, dicamba, those things they use in the lawn, plant, tomato plants are very sensitive to them. And so a neighbor four or five houses up sprays on a windy day and a little bit comes to ditch your plants and causes it to happen. I, Without seeing it, I doubt that's what it is. But... A lot of people yeah, are showing that. Yeah, this is in a that. community garden. It's a community garden. Well, yeah. it could be anybody spraying a yeah. lot near their um, yeah. roadways. Um, mm -hmm. In Kansas, there was a uh, uh, documented case of 2,4-D drifting eight miles. Now, we're out in the open more and more wind mm -hmm. and all that. But um, it, it, the point is, is it can come in from a long ways away, and it doesn't need very much for it to do it. But I, I don't probably think it is i think it's something leaf roll the way you describe it and yeah. um, it, it usually yeah. grows out of it yes it's not yeah. a problem okay. certain varieties actually oh, will have a genetic propensity to roll um i gave somebody a plant of a rosso sicilian once and it always rolls it's just the way it is hmm. genetically and it was in a community garden and everybody was demanding that he pull it out <laughs> and i took the person to my garden, and I showed them the same plant. I said, this plant rolls its leaves. Costaludo genovese is another one. But uh, yeah, Keith's right. It's I think it's physiological. Um, in the absence of aphids on the back of the leaves and on the absence of discoloration, um, see what happens in a few days. And what I would say okay. is I agree with both of you guys because uh, this is my friend Mac who's calling in, and that's how she got uh, the two tomatoes because... Uh, I wondered. <laughs> hey, Mac. Hi. I'm, see, I'm, I'm, I'm passing them along to everybody, Casey. Um, and what happened in Chicago recently, I think, is, is a perfect setup for that. We had 
record rains in May. We had really hot, humid weather last week. And all of a sudden we had this front come through with 70 mile an hour winds and dropping temperatures into the 60s and 50s. And it sounds like it's, Keith, it's the perfect setup for, mm-hmm. you know, this, this sort of situation. Yeah, we get a lot of that here, the change, the real quick change. I mean, we're up and down in the weather, just like you guys are. Ours isn't really that much difference. We're a little bit hotter in the summer, but you and you probably get more rain up there than we do here. I, I think another interesting thing to do as you become more experienced as a tomato grower is take a look at your plants at different times of the season, mm-hmm. at different times of the day. The greens show different as the sun is hitting at a different angle. A lot of times on a hot day, the plants will be in the morning, they'll be really vibrant. And then as the day comes on, it's starting to cool off at night, the leaves all just kind of relax a little bit. And so learning to read your plants is just a lot of fun and finding out what they look like when they're happy, what they look like at different weather conditions. And it's just, well, it probably also shows kind of the insanity that I'm taking this hobby. Uh, (laughs) When when I first met Keith and he was walking through my garden, slogging through a knee-deep mud, we were actually looking at tomato flowers, tomato leaves, deciding what variety it was, looking at the foliage. So um, one can go deep, right, Keith? Yep. Quite <laughs> right. a bit. Well, Mac, yeah. thank you so much for calling. Um, that's a great question and a well, great way for you. us to start. And so basically just keep up uh, the good care of the plants and they'll probably recover is what we're hearing. Yeah. And I won't, uh, I won't lose any more sleep about them. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. Anybody, uh, we'll talk to you later, Mac. Have a great Sunday. Uh, the phone number is 877-711-5611. We're going to take a break, and I want to ask you guys what you're doing right now when we come back. Yep, and we got to a- show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back. The world has changed. A year ago, you were growing food because it was fun. Now it's important. That's why you need Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights. Thanks to the best science, the wavelengths are tuned to your plant's needs. They're versatile, they're elegant, they have a five-year warranty, and they're made in America. Peggy and I are huge fans. Go to MikeNovak.net for the code to save 5% on your purchase. Go to HappyLeafLED.com to get more information. Happy Leaf, it's about the light. This is Peggy Malecki from the Smart Talk Radio Network. And speaking of being smart, even if some businesses are reopening, COVID-19 is still a very contagious disease. So if you go out, continue to practice social distancing and don't be pressured into doing things that you don't think are safe. You'll be protecting yourself and the ones you love and all of us. In other words, if you don't like wearing a mask, you'll hate being on a ventilator. Please continue to be smart and stay healthy. From small boat to your table with complimentary no-contact delivery. Sitka Salmon Shares brings traceable wild Alaskan seafood direct from their small boat fishermen to your home. They're a community-supported fishery offering shares of their harvest just like your local CSA. Wild caught in season and with respect for the limits of the ocean. Responsibly harvested, hand-processed, blast-frozen, and vacuum-sealed. Sign up today. Use promo code MIKE25 for $25 off your share. Visit SitkaSalmonShares.com. 
Welcome to Keep Eating Healthy. Our friends at Eden Place Farms are offering affordable local CSA shares with a twist. You pay for these organically grown boxes of vegetables each week as you receive them. You can skip deliveries without penalty and even get custom orders to eliminate allergens and unwanted items. Best of all, you're supporting a Chicago-based operation whose goal is to provide affordable, high-quality organic produce to the region. Go to EdenPlaceFarms.org or click on the Keep Eating Healthy logo at MikeNovak.net. Hey everyone, this is Peggy, and I'm here to tell you about Natural Awakening Chicago Magazine, your independent go-to resource for everyday wellness. Natural Awakenings is still the greenest, healthiest magazine in the Chicago area. For more than 10 years, we've been at the leading edge of healthy living, helping you find ideas and trusted resources to lead a more fulfilled and sustainable lifestyle. Each month, we go beyond the trends to take a fresh look at food nutrition, wellness, personal growth, and green living. Natural Awakenings includes great articles for parents about raising healthy kids, too, as well as ideas for your sustainable home and garden. And if you like good food, you'll love our tasty recipes and meal ideas, from plant-based and gluten-free options to healthy versions of classic recipes and even lunches your kids will love. Natural Awakenings is available throughout the city as well as suburban Cook, DuPage, Lake, and McHenry counties, and it's free. Or read it online at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. I know it's brand new. It's, I found this on the uh, inner tubes. Um, just I was cruising the used tubes on the inner tubes and uh, Tomato Land, and it had only like 500 uh, likes. And I said, but I listened to it. And I went, I like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm keeping that as a tomato cool. song for cool. uh, for our show. And you have kind to of the when you listen you to do. it. Yeah, kind of the COVID cruise line. <laughs> <laughs> You know, <laughs> yikes! Oh, you know, dark humor, dark humor. Never going back to. Okay, well, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Yikes! Uh, this is Tomato Mania Two, and there will never be a Tomato Mania Three. Oh, there must. Yeah, there has to be. We have to look at how this, I have this tomato that's been lasting forever. Next year, we're going to look at it again. And I've got, and I have just one thing to say to you, Casey. Yes. Oh. I I don't think it worked. No. Okay, never mind. I tried. See, whenever I try these sound effects, sometimes they're working and sometimes they're not. And I do not understand why. Okay, never mind. (laughs) Because it's not real radio anymore. It's just, you know, if I can't play a sound effect, it ain't real radio. So it's just something else. Do you at least have your no pen? Uh, You know, I'm going to try to fix this. But meanwhile, we had a question coming in Facebook, right? Yes. Yes. Paul Paul is asking, how often should I feed my tomato plants with an organic tomato food? And what should I do? Sure. Um, So I'll start and I want to hand it over to Keith to finish. But really... Uh, how often you feed and what you feed, first of all, what you feed with is definitely tied into your own personal gardening philosophy, traditional, organic, conventional, et cetera. And there's a zillion. My view is it's not so much what exactly you feed with, it's that you feed it so that you don't essentially starve the plant. 
if you're in containers, if you're in straw bales, if you're in raised beds, if you're above the ground where water is going to come in and leach out the food faster, you feed more frequently. If you're in a, a garden where you've got that well underneath that the roots can go in and find the nutrients, you don't have to feed as often. So I'm a container straw bale gardener and I'm feeding weekly, but I'm also feeding weekly, W-E-E-K, W-E-E-A-K, uh, giving that plant a little bit of food each week. I'm watering a lot and then um, backing it up the following week and my plants look, they look good, they're producing great and it's working for me. So Keith, anything you wanna toss into that one? Um, being organic throws it off a little bit more because um, it's not quite as available, but assuming you're in the ground, usually a, just a general rule is to apply it before you plant. And then um, a couple of weeks later when the, the tomatoes start setting and they get I don't know, a little bit like golf ball size if they're beef steaks or something. Then you would side dress. And if your season goes on, you don't have a lot of disease and everything, go ahead and apply some. The organics are going to take longer depending on the source of the organic. If you're using fish emulsion, it'll be readily available. But some, all the other granular stuff, it's going to take a while. So you want it down there by the roots. You want to get water to it so that the activity occurs to be able to release it to the plant. So it's a, it's a, being ahead of the game mm. in that situation, but you really don't want to go too much over mm. and um, you get too much nitrogen in particular, and you'll in probably increase your disease problems mm. by mm -hmm. feeding it. I, so I, it's, I didn't realize there was a connection between nitrogen and disease problems. I knew there was a connection between nitrogen and not uh, enough blooms, blossoms and, and fruit production. Right. And you can overdo it. And a lot of people overdo it. And the professor that I worked with and there at NC State, and it actually lives down the road from Craig now, mm -hmm. um, he always said that people over fertilize their tomatoes, especially in commercial situations. But, um, you know, he was always like, try to cut back on it a little bit and, and don't yeah. get because mm -hmm. you get too much foliage. It's kind of a good thing. It shades the plant and everything. But you can actually get into a luxury foliage situation where yeah, you're kind yeah. of taken away from the rest. Mm -hmm. So it's, 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 it's again, like Craig said, observe your plants, watch them, learn from them. They'll tell you what they need. You, you'll, you'll pick up on it after a while, but a general rule of thumb is when you pre-plant, when they're setting and getting sizing up and then you're good to go. Uh, what yeah. about containers? Containers, like Craig said, you have to do it more often. Um, so, you know, it's it's hard to take the granular and sprinkle it at the top and wash it down. So something like a fish emulsion yep. or um, a lot of people are having success with comfrey. So you go comfrey and you chop it up and mm. you make a, a tea out of it. And mm. it, it actually provides nitrogen to the plant because it's probably what it's going to need the most in, the, in that container. Because yeah. um, yeah. if you give it something ahead of time like potassium, it's probably going to be there. Yeah. Well, well, and, okay, so now you just said that nitrogen's a problem, but you're saying the plant needs nitrogen when it's in the container. In a container, because like Craig said, the water's going through, it's leaching. Yeah. Um, so I'm watering soil daily. moisture's changing. In hot weather, I'm watering once a day, sometimes twice a day, because you don't want your plant to stress. If that plant can't find water and stresses, that's your invitation to blossom end rot. So you really want that foliage nice and healthy and not wilted uh, throughout the day. Yeah, uh, but, you shouldn't use the wilted leaf as a sign that you need to uh, water, which a lot of people do with their plants. They say, oh, when the leaves start to wilt, I'll water because I know now I know. But no, you need to stay ahead of that game. Yeah, you need to stay ahead. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, here's here's a question I have. Speaking to me as a as a COVID uh, castaway here, uh, and who's been locked in, and I don't have access to emulsion. And I, I was looking in my garage when I was planting, and I found a fertilizer, and it was uh, you know uh, an organic fertilizer, slightly higher in uh, potassium uh, than nitrogen, and and that was what I had. So that I figured that's that's probably what I'm looking for to start. And then um, I um, and then I put a lot. I put compost in there. Um, and what if I'm kind of stuck with the compost treatment? How often am I doing that? My view is you really can't overdo good compost. Um, it is it's taking a while to break down, but it's got good structure. It will hold water, but it will it will also drain well. So. I think I, my view is you can't go wrong. And I just side dress. I just dump it onto the top. Um, I'm, there, is, there is so much informa great information out there about uh, feeding that I've not really gone into a great deal of learning about the different elements. Keith is probably a little bit more up to, uh, to speed on specific things about feeding and different substances. Keith? Thanks. Um. <laughs> or maybe you're not. Um, maybe we're, you, yeah. For, uh, um. Mike, are you adding the compost into a uh, into the ground ahead of time? Is that yeah, what you're talking? Are you side I did, dressing? I did, I did. I did both. When I planted uh, my tomatoes, I put a, a tiny bit of that fertilizer in there with a, with compost that I got <laughs> fresh fresh out of my compost bin uh, in the bottom, and and then um, uh, in the pots, I mixed in some of that compost along with the. Uh, uh, the uh, soilless mix, uh, but I put a generous supply of compost into it. So, and then, and then a little fertilizer for that as well. So when they started, they, they had, they had a good head start. Now I'm wondering during the season, how often should I be adding compost? Well, just side dress with a little bit and you're going to be fine. I used yeah. to work for when, before I went but just back to school, I worked as a estate gardener for this crazy eccentric organic lady taught me everything I knew about organic. She, that's all she did is uh, compost. And she had me side dress compost something like every uh, three weeks, I think it was, because mm. she did everything by the moon. I'm serious. She yeah, was a hardcore eccentric multimillionaire gardener, and she was fantastic. Crazy lady, though. <laughs> Okay. There, crazy there goes, lady there goes your chance on getting those millions keith if she's listening yeah <laughs> uh, it's long gone all right her, we got we got about three squandered it i we we've got about three minutes here before we break again and i want folks to get a better idea of who you are so we each got you each have like a minute and a half it's obvious that you know ah. each other. so uh, uh and, let's and, start let's start with uh you craig and uh and sure. you, uh, who, who you are what you've been doing so um gosh i've been gardening for 40 years um as you mentioned, I, I wrote Epic Tomatoes, Growing Vegetables and Straw Bales. I've got somewhere around 110 tomato plants out there. Um, I think 35 indeterminates, the rest are dwarf growing. Uh, I've been co-leading the Dwarf Tomato Breeding Project for about 15 years, and we've got 123 new varieties in various seed catalogs. What I am is a, uh, a lapsed chemist who treats my yard like it's a laboratory and my kitchen like it's a laboratory. So instead of going in and doing my 25 years in the corporate world, which I did not like, I do the same sorts of things, but I do it here. And uh, just having the time of my life, um, what I do is I answer anybody's gardening questions if they email me. Um, but, you know, I'm 64, and I think I'm going to be doing this for the next 30 years, <laughs> God willing. And, I have, <laughs> and, and, of course, your website is? 
just craiglehulier.com. And if people want to watch my Instagram lives on Friday, find me at n at at NC Tomato Man. Three o'clock every Friday I'm out there. I do a demo and then I take everybody's questions. We do like a lightning round. Everything somebody throws at me, I answer. Okay. And uh, Casey? Okay. Um, I'm about the same as the length of time gardening. Um, uh, I went back. I returned to school. I had, like I said, I was working as an estate gardener there for a while before I went back to school. But um, I knew I wanted to breed. I wanted to solve problems. And um, I started back in school and I got involved with the plant breeders there. I started working for them and I worked with melons and dry beans. And uh, the professor there encouraged me to go on to grad school. And I ended up going to North Carolina um, to study there under Randy Gardner. And uh, that's how I met Craig. He lived down the street from my wife's grandfather, but he also, um, a professor took me out to his house to uh, show me. But uh, I picked up on what Craig was doing and I wanted to get flavor into tomatoes. And I also wanted to look at all these novel genes that are out there that don't get used. So I'm looking at those and developing those into new varieties um, and trying to really focus in on flavors. So right now I'm working with the seed to kitchen people at the University of Wisconsin. I'm also working with row seven seeds out of uh, Hudson Valley. I got to hold it right there. We'll take a short break and we'll be right back. It's tomato Tomato two. Mosquitoes transmit deadly diseases like Zika and West Nile virus, but Summit Mosquito Dunks kill mosquitoes before they're old enough to bite. Just float an organic mosquito dunk in ponds, bird baths, and any standing water to kill mosquito larvae for 30 days or longer. Don't worry, mosquito dunks won't harm people, pets, fish, or wildlife. Mosquito Dunks, available at fine garden centers, hardware stores, and online. Visit SummitResponsibleSolutions.com. Whether you're working 500 square feet in your backyard or a 1,000-acre farm, it's all about the soil biology. The folks at Blazing Star get it, which is why they work with industry leader Tinyo Biologicals. Tinyo seed treatments and foliar fertilizers can be used on all types of crops to improve plant health and overall production. Take it from the people who transformed a depleted former cornfield into a vibrant native landscape. Go to blazing-star.com, and while you're there, check out their pollinator packets. Welcome to Keep Eating Healthy. The folks at Prairie Fruits Farm and Creamery raise more than 100 goats on their Champaign, Illinois farm. The herd is pasture-based, the goat milk is seasonal, and they're animal welfare approved by A Greener World. They offer a wide range of fresh shove, including plain, herbs Provence, cracked peppercorn, and seasonal flavors. Try one of their exquisite bloomies or a goat milk feta. Go to prairiefruits.com or click on the Keep Eating Healthy logo at mikenovak.net. Welcome to Keep Eating Healthy. If you're an omnivore, there's an alternative to factory farmed meats. Cedar Valley Sustainable Farms CSA brings you beef, pork, chicken, and eggs, all raised humanely, drug and hormone free with respect for the earth and the animals. And since the start of the COVID-19 emergency, they've been doing non-contact pickup at delivery locations throughout the city and suburbs. Go to cedarvalleysustainable.com or click on the Keep Eating Healthy logo at mikenovak.net. Old friends are the best friends, old friends. This is Mark Dvorak, and you're getting gardening, environmentalism, green living, local food information, and even some humor to lighten things up as we shelter in place. 
It's all on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki every Sunday morning from 9 to 11 right here on Chicago's Smart Talk Radio Network. so cute and red I'll come back later on and tuck you into bed Oh my little tomatoes you are so cute and sweet I can't believe them bad vegans wanna pick you off my tree <laughs> And Rudy hold on Oh at the end he goes Rudy the man that I don't. That's another one I found it that you know had like forty likes on it, and I'm like, oh, that's too cool. I like that one. It's a nice. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. That's the over loving one. It's called Rudy the Man. That's the name of the guy, and he's playing a uke, of course. And how can you not like a ukulele? Yeah, we have uh, to update it though. Tomato. They may be pink. They may be purple or brown or white or green. You know, we, we they don't have to be red tomatoes anymore. <laughs> no, they. You know, that's a really good point. They do not. I'm I'm growing a, one of your dwarf varieties right now, Tasmanian chocolate. Yeah. Yeah, uh, which is a darker one. Yes. Um, and uh, and my kitty's tail. I, I don't know if you saw. She's yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> she made a guest appearance. Jeez. Okay, everybody, wait. Let's see. I got to get the camera up here. Gata, you're going to make an appearance. Here we go. Come on, Gata. Say hi. Oh, to, uh, oh man. <laughs> I've got the negative of that cat running around somewhere. It's kind of the opposite <laughs> color range. <laughs> Look into the camera. There you go, Gata. Oh. Okay. For those of you who aren't on Facebook, you're missing the cat videos. You, you got to do ventriloquism on that, Mike. You can have the cat doing the show. That would, that's just that would just embarrass her. Okay, that would just embarrass her. Um, all right, so welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Boy, we don't we should have done two hours. I'm telling you, we should have just done two hours. And next time we will <laughs> get that tail out of my face. Uh, <laughs> are we in the tail. Are we in the tail end of the time here, Mike? Uh, yeah. But I'm Bob. Oh. oh. <laughs> and uh, we had a question come up that we want to answer because it led to a bunch of things that we talked about in the break, and some of you uh, who are listening and watching on Facebook got to hear that. Uh, but what was the question, Peg? So Jessica asks, "What's the ratio of NPK that's best for tomatoes?" And who who answered that? Craig, well, I think you started it. I started, but Keith made a great point, and I want that's why I'm to to start it because it's like it depends. What is your situation? What are you growing in? Et cetera, et cetera. So I'll I'll toss this to my friend over there. There you go, Keith. Ah, uh, let's see. Okay, so again, it depends on the situation and and whether you're in a container or whether you're in the ground. What's your soil like? The whole point to that is is, and Craig brought this up in the break is give them something. Don't worry about it too much, but don't overlove your plants. That, to me, is what creates more problems is people. Too much fertilizer, too much water. It's it's like a teenage relationship. You know, the guy or the girlfriend that smothers you. He's like, get away, you know. So, you know, think of it that way, you know. Just give them a little bit of love, but give them space. So, um, well, I know why it's my hard mom... to say. <laughs> yeah. Because if you give them too much of something and you're uh, – your soil is a certain way, then certain things will build up and you won't be able to get other nutrients. It'll tie it up. It's very complex. That's why I'm kind of staying away from it. But if you just give a little bit and, and work with what you got, go that way. And if um, something's working, if something's working, stick with it. You know, um, I do. You were talking about your seedlings there, Craig, yep. and how you don't put anything in them. And no. why is that? 
so I plant seeds in a nice soilless mix and they pop up and they're fine. I transplant them into the same soilless mix. They get hardened off and go into the driveway. They get rained on, the sun hits them. All of a sudden they're nice six, seven inch plants that have not been babied and they've not been fed and they look great. People buy my plants, they bring them home, they put them in the ground, boom, they don't miss a beat. Whereas they'll get coddled plants from greenhouses that have been overfed or they're too tall. They put them in the ground, they bend over, they sulk mm. for a while. So I think there is something about tough love with tomatoes in many steps of the way. When you're, when you're transplanting them, it's okay if you break a root. Anything that you put under the soil is going to create more roots. So um, how I like to think of tomatoes is build quality in from the front. You know, mulch, don't let bad soil splash up in your foliage. Space your plants adequately, let the air flow through, let the sun hit them. Because um, if you can try to prevent problems from happening, you're going to be a much happier tomato garden. Because once diseases start hitting, it can be really tricky to decide what to do at that point. I, that's, that's just fantastic advice. And I'll tell you, um, I have to cheat in my yard. I'm not like you guys. I don't have full sun. Um, and so I have tucked my tomato plants in every little place mm. I can that gets, I know, gets some sun. I, I, I can, I've been in this house long enough. I can track the sun. I know where it's going to be at different times of the year. And that's where I put my tomatoes. And I actually took down part of my wooden fence this year. So tomatoes along that uh, the western side of the yard could get the late afternoon yeah. sun. And right now, I'm, and I'm knocking on, I'll just hit the dinger uh, instead of knocking on wood. Everything looks great. Um, I even had got my first tiny little tomatoes uh, the other day, and it's been really cool here. Um, but I'm very happy with the way things look. And as you said, Craig, the foliage looks lush. It looks dark. I'm very pleased. And <laughs> I'm hoping things stay that way. Uh, and so what we've done is if you... What gardeners learn is don't brag about your gardens too much because the next day the hailstorm yep. can come through. Yeah, man, I, I just cursed <laughs> the myself. The deer will work oh. through. It's, it's, I remember talking to my friend Jeff once driving home from work and, you know, I've never seen a hailstorm in Raleigh in 20 years. What do we get <laughs> oh, no. the next day? We get a hailstorm that shreds my plant. So there, oh, is, there is someone running things that has a wicked sense of humor that will yeah. put you in your place really quickly if you get too garden proud, I think. <laughs> uh, and I need to say that, uh, Casey, I'm growing two varieties of yours, Sun Lucky uh -huh. and Delta Queen. Uh, Delta Queen was uh, very prolific last year. It did very well. I got a lot, man, it, it was in the other yard, the next day, my dead neighbor's yard. And um, it, sprawl <laughs> it sprawled. <laughs> and she's still she's still dead by the she's way still dead yes yeah <laughs> uh, and it sprawled but man i was harvesting tomatoes all during the late uh summer and early fall hmm. it was pretty amazing and now the sun lucky we're gonna see it wasn't and wasn't quite as prolific but uh what are what do those two tomato characteristics have um Delta Queen has a unique gene that comes from uh, Galapagos Island tomatoes. Um, so it's a different uh, pigment in it, and it has delta carotene in replace of beta or lycopene. So it's uh, that's why I was interested in it. It has a little bit different flavor profile, but I crossed it with a, uh, a large heirloom variety to try to get size in it. So um, it was a very small, tiny little tomato that it came out of a wild tomato. And so it's, it, it it's working out pretty well. I'm, I'm glad it did well for you. 
Uh, Sun Lucky has got a really complex background. It's got Sun Gold in it for one, but Little Lucky, which I got from Craig, um, and um, it tends to be fickle. It it tends to like not do anything until it gets really hot. Then it starts setting flowers, so it yeah. tends to be kind of late. That's what I had. It had a great. I had two of them, Keith, and it had a really good late crop. All right. And, well, yeah, I've got one Sun Lucky planted this year, so let's see what and, happens. And Sun Lucky is the only one that hasn't blossomed yet, so I'm waiting mm-hmm. on it right now. It, it's it, uh, a chef told me what he thought it tasted like, and this is going to ruin me forever. Is it tastes like aftertaste of peanut butter? <laughs> All right, and that's it was like be, okay. Hey. That's got to be our closing <laughs> remark. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, Casey Tomato, Craig LaHoulier, uh, we're going to do it again. We're going to do it for two hours. Uh, all the information is on my website. Until next time, Peggy, go green or go home. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good tools to And welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, second big hour. And uh, that song couldn't be more appropriate uh, all i need is good food to eat and in this time of pandemic uh for some people it's been difficult for some farmers it has been um hard to find customers although it's it's really interesting peggy and you and i both know this because we've dealt with uh, a number of operations food providing operations and farms and that sort of thing and it kind of depends it's like our tomato yeah conversation it depends what your situation is uh one of the things we've noticed is that some operations uh have so much business they can't even handle it right now yeah some of the csas are so busy right now and others are scrambling Mm -hmm. uh and and it's hard to figure out and i think perhaps uh maybe our 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 next guest can help us sort this uh her name is karen lehman and uh she is all right, let me get my notes here because I'm on the wrong page and I apologize. See, I start off right off the bat, Karen. Would you like me to introduce Karen? Uh, well, no, she's the Chicago Region Food System Fund Manager uh, and Fresh Taste Director. And uh, what we're going to talk about is the Chicago Region Food System Fund Manager because mm-hmm. this is an organization that has just awarded some grants to some of these uh, operations that we've been talking about and and groups that help those operations so by extension you know people uh and let me give you some of the names because some of these people have been on our show before like the artisan grain collaborative we talked to them a few weeks ago um about their neighbor loaves and how and you can do that i put the link on uh, mikenovak.net today as well so that you can click on and you can donate a loaf of bread. Uh, that's simple. You go in and say, I want to donate a loaf and they'll, they'll bake a bunch of them. Then they'll make sure they get to uh, the loaves to people who really need them. Uh, somebody else we, we have on the show regularly, the Illinois Stewardship Alliance uh, just got a grant. 
uh, Plant Chicago just got a grant. And what I've, I'm finding out, uh, Karen, Karen Lehman, is that you have to be careful now with Plant Chicago and the plant yes. in Chicago. And <laughs> excuse me, I had a conversation with with one of the people associated with uh, Plant Chicago because I put something on my website and, and I said, hey, uh, if you want to more information, go here. And then she wrote to me and she said, well, actually, you kind of confused the two. There's Plant Chicago, then there's The Plant, plant which, is, is. Is, is, which is, no, they call it The Plant. And, uh, and it's in Chicago. Uh, and they're actually two different outfits now because uh, there's been, uh, I guess, a parting of the ways. I don't understand exactly what's going on. I said, you guys need a little branding uh, right here. And, and she actually agreed with me about that. Um, and then you've got other... Uh, Organizations like Urban Growers Collective, the Chicago Food Policy Action Council, uh, the Chinese American Service League. Uh, so these are groups that just receive money from Chicago Region Food System Fund and uh, and Fresh Taste, which you're the director of as part of that. Karen, why don't you uh, uh, start us off and, and explain what you're trying to achieve by handing out these grants? Well, when we learned, of course, COVID has been a huge shock to many systems and uh, the food system especially actually, I think has been affected by this. And at the time that the response funds were starting up, we asked, is anybody focusing specifically on food? And people said, you know, we're really gonna go right for hunger, which is great supporting the Greater Chicago Food Depository and others. But there wasn't really a focus on what's happening in the food system as a whole. And we felt that it was really important both for response and long-term resilience to put money into the food system. And um, a lead funder, Foodland Opportunity, which is the Searle Funds, of the, uh, project of the Searle Funds of the Chicago Community Trust, said, you know, we'd be interested in, in supporting something like this. And shortly thereafter, several others came came together and we were able in a very short period of time to pull together $4.2 million. Um, Margot Pritzker has now joined us. So um, the fund is growing. So, and we're open to others contributing as well. And our sense of this was that we wanted to divide this up in two phases. So, you know, really right now it's about response. But response, not just, not just, in the conventional emergency food system, but what are neighbors doing with it for each other? What are some innovative business and nonprofit mm -hmm. partnerships doing with each other? What are farmers doing? And um, so pretty, if you look at those grantees, they are all responding to this crisis. Groups like Urban Growers Collective and Black Oak Center are collaborating and cooperating with May Gorilla, which got this very large $27 million award from USDA and the Farm to Families program to distribute food from local farmers in the upper Midwest. And in Chicago, but the, these two organizations are making sure that it gets to the people in their homes. It gets that last half mile, especially in black and brown communities on the south and west side. You look at the Chinese American Service League, 
they had seniors who were losing their meal programs and they don't recognize a lot of the conventional meals that come as real food to them. They say, literally, they say, where's the bok choy? And so Chinese American Service League had a culinary training program. They hired some of their folks to buy and they're getting food from some of the Chinese wholesalers that had been affected by restaurant closings. And so they started preparing meals for 300 seniors. And they were only able to do that with some of the emergency funding that they had received up through the end of May. And so we're helping them continue that um, a couple more months. And so you see that people responded, the, the Street Vendors Association, um, they are the folks who are making wonderful tamales and selling them on the streets and of course, with COVID, their businesses were completely disrupted. But that didn't stop them. They have a cooperative that has a kitchen that they created to have food, a place to produce food safely, not just in their own homes. They started making tamales and tacos to give to people in the community who mm -hmm. were hungry. And so funding from the fund will then pay their rent, pay for some food and also pay the vendors for several months in this very difficult time that people have experienced of disruption. Yeah, here you are uh, helping these organizations and many of them uh, are local. In fact, you're, you're, you're dealing with a, a 200 mile radius uh, of Chicago. And so, but, but that includes Wisconsin and includes Michigan and includes Indiana, uh, Iowa. It's, uh, these are within, you know, the, the sound of our voices, uh, pretty much. Uh, these are some of the groups that uh, you're trying to help. But I note that uh, this is part of a broader uh, uh, effort uh, in the country because one of the people we had on the show was Gary Oppenheimer from ampleharvest.org. And uh, we've got that. Uh, you can find that site at our website, but you just go to ampleharvest.org. They're trying to feed people too. So everybody's taking a, a slightly different approach to, you know, the ampleharvest.org, for example, mm -hmm. is getting people to grow stuff in their backyards and then deliver it to food pantries. Uh, you're, you're, you're trying to help people with uh, a little bit of cash so that they can keep up their good work and reach out. The important thing is, as you mentioned, it's to go into the communities of color, which mm -hmm. are uh, the ones that have been most affected by this COVID outreach. So uh, I assume that is part of the criteria, an important part of the criteria you're looking at. Yes, um, actually, organizations that either serve communities of color or are led of people of color are more heavily weighted. We have a, a rubric because we have reviewers and they, those organizations will have actually extra points because we wanted to make sure that, um, that we redress, we're trying to change the food system at the same time that we are trying to respond to this crisis. And we know that the food system we have is built on systemic racism and that the fact that a lot of communities don't have access to good food contributes to poorer immunity to things like COVID. Yeah. yeah. So uh, when you look at where the COVID cases have been most intense and also where there are most of them, they are communities of color in, in Chicago. And so we think that um, 
we want to make sure that the grassroots organizations in those communities have are see this as a place they can come to get support for the work that they're doing, even from the block club level or from the umbrella organization level, like we're hoping that organizations like South Shore and Westside United would, would look at the fund as a way to say, well, we're, we're doing COVID response work, but mm-hmm. how could we be accessing some of these funds to make that, uh, make a focus on food within that work? What are... And we, we have like 20 seconds here. Uh, so uh, let's uh, hang on to that question, Peggy, what, whatever it was going to be. We're talking to uh, uh, Karen Lehman, and uh, she is with the Chicago Region Food Fund. And um, I, w- I have a couple of questions myself when, when we come back. Um, and uh, we will talk about how other organizations can qualify for a grant. And that's an important part of this. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and we will be right back. We continue to live in interesting and challenging times. As we've learned over the past few months, something as important as tree care can be made much more difficult by unexpected events like the COVID-19 pandemic. Bartlett Tree Experts understands that and has made safety their number one consideration. But that's not surprising because safety has always been their number one concern and will continue to be their concern as we move into the next phase of this crisis. Something else we've learned over this time is that people love their trees and from a safe distance have been eager to talk to Bartlett Arborist representatives, whether from the safety of their porch or through a window or over the phone. They also know that Bartlett can make outside areas safer from ticks, which are having a banner year thanks to a mild winter. Bottom line, the folks at Bartlett Tree Experts want to say thank you to their customers for loving their trees and understanding that every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Welcome to Keep Eating Healthy. Joe's Blues brings Michigan's sweetest naturally grown pesticide-free blueberries to Chicago with 12 CSA drop-off sites in the area or get them at Chicago farmers markets. Joe's Blues also sells zero and low sugar blueberry preserves, pure dried berries, 35% cream ice cream, moisturizing soap, and more. Sign up now for safe social distancing you pick events this year. Go to joesblueberries.com or click on the Keep Eating Healthy logo at mikenovac.net. There's a new urgency for people to grow their own food, and thanks to Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights, your seedlings will be healthier with a better germination rate and faster growth. You'll get lower operating costs and higher yields. That's because the wavelengths are tuned to your plant's needs. They have a 50,000-plus-hour minimum lifespan, and they're made in America. Go to MikeNovak.net for the code to save 5% on your purchase, and go to HappyLeafLED.com to get more information. Happy Leaf, it's about the light. Now more than ever, whether you're a farmer or a backyard grower, it's important to protect the life of your soil. The folks at Blazing Star understand that, which is why they distribute Tinyo Biologicals. For 30 years, Tinyo seed treatments and foliar fertilizers have benefited both large and small organic growers. Many products are OMRI certified for fields or indoor growing. Go to blazing-star.com and check out their BioGarden line for home gardeners. Beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, lamb, ranch, beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, chicken, turkey, it's so crazy. It's so crazy. You know I had to do that day mix. Yeah, there it is. The uh, You Name It Challenge uh, and uh, one of the versions of the You Name It Challenge. Uh, 
uh, and it, uh, I, lo- I love that song, and it brings us right here to our discussion. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Molecki, and we have uh, Karen Lehman uh, from the Chicago Region Food Fund uh, with us and talking about ways to get food, good food, to more people in this region. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, people are doing it all over the country and in different ways, and this is one of the ways that happening. I hope in your area, wherever you're listening, that is happening as well, because as Karen alluded to earlier, this crisis, and it's not over. That, can I make that clear? Mm-hmm. Can I make that clear? Even as uh, I'm, I'm going on Facebook and reading people yelling at each other about whether a restaurant should be open, and people go, "Oh, let them do what they want to do," and um, it's, it's nuts. It's nuts out there because yeah. this this pandemic is so far from over, and there's a lag here as well. I'm sure, yeah. Karen, you understand, which is. This hits and then people start to suffer, but as it goes on longer, they suffer more, which is where your organization comes in, right? In trying to help people climb out of the hole that's been created by this. Yes, you know, we um, we saw an opportunity here, actually, to say that the food system needs to be stronger to withstand uh, things like COVID-19 and that we have to build it while it's running. I mean, we have to build the car while it's running. Um, and yeah. we actually have described this fund as I've described it as the, the run to keep up fund, mm-hmm. not just the response fund, because in fact, people in the food system have been innovating so quickly because they've, they've yes. taken this as a, as a place to make changes. And those changes are the things that will get us through a continuation of COVID-19, but also hopefully prepare us for any further shocks from other things coming down the pike later. So if we can address some of the justice issues and some of the just access issues and food business structure issues through this pandemic, hopefully we'll come out with a stronger food system on the other side. And this is something we talked about last week on the show. We talked about social justice, and mm-hmm. we had some folks uh, on uh, who who oh, had a we had a wonderful conversation about this. But what we've learned is that unfortunately, social justice often doesn't work in our food system, and and this is what you've learned, and this is what you're trying to change. Now, one of the things uh, that uh, your your grant proposal does. Uh, is extend not just to this urban area, but as I said, a 200 mile radius. So that means urban areas too. So would you like to address that, Karen? Well, um, the, we are very Chicago centric. These are This is a Chicago centric group of funders, but saying that doesn't say that we are urban. Um, Chicago centric means that we have 9 million people here or whatever that number is now, who are the market for many farmers out and processors and food hubs in the surrounding area. And so we, while we're focused on Chicago as the end market, like we're not focusing on Milwaukee as an end market, we are saying that farmers around Milwaukee, food hubs in Wisconsin can apply for this, especially nonprofits or, or nonprofits that are working with businesses. We do does that. it does it have to be a nonprofit? Um, 
For this fund, it needs to be a nonprofit, but there are many creative nonprofit business partnerships. There are others in our group who can support businesses. So, you know, if, if there's a business that wants uh, to some, that is doing something creative in the food system, we might have a way to support that work as well. For example, with Illinois Stewardship Alliance, um, the way that we're doing that is that the fund is paying for the administration of the, of the work that they're doing, but another funder is providing support that they can then reallocate or allocate to farmers for things like cooling or trans or vehicles or other things that they need for their businesses to adapt and pivot right now in this time when markets have completely changed, especially for those local produce farmers. Uh, and uh, so if folks want to, in, in their organizations, want to qualify for the next grant, what, what is their next step? What do they need to be aware of? It's a fairly, we wanted to make it an easy process because we know people are really stressed right now. So the first thing you do is go to the website, chicagoregionfoodfund.org. There's an eligibility test. If, if you are not a nonprofit, you're not eligible for this fund. That doesn't mean you shouldn't contact us. Uh, we might have some ideas for you. Mm -hmm. If um, you are a nonprofit, then it goes through a, a pretty quick questionnaire with lots of check boxes, some very short, tell us what you want to do. Those, those then are sorted through and then people might get a request. I mean, they may get a request from us, go ahead, apply, fill out an application. That also is a fairly short form. So we hope to turn these things around pretty quickly, even though it sounds like there are a lot of steps. Yeah. And hopefully then they can get some funding in a timely fashion. And what about if people from the community want to support you? Uh, what types of donations are you looking for and how do people do that? So on the website, it tells you how to do that. Um, there is a donate button for people who want to donate or less than $5,000. And if you want, if you're a donor who wants to give more than $5,000, you get in touch with us and we'll tell you how to do that. And all that information is on my website, MikeNovak.net. I've got all the links. You can, you can click on there and find it. Uh, you got like 30 seconds. Tell me a little bit about Fresh Taste. So Fresh Taste is a funder initiative. It was created by a group of foundations that felt that they could do more working together than separately to change the food system. And we focus on relocalizing the food system and improving equity of access to good food. And uh, Fresh Taste is um, managing this fund mm -hmm. uh, with our fiscal sponsor, Forefront. There is a separate account at Forefront for the fund. And we have been doing this work. I've been here since 2008, building a learning community for funders and also trying to catalyze collaboration. All right, Karen Lehman, thank you so much for being with us. Like I said, go on the line, uh, website and find all this. Uh, Peggy and I will be right back. As the demand for solar energy grows, solar farms are cropping up across America's rural landscapes. And Charles Gould, an energy educator with Michigan State University Extension, says they can complement more traditional uses of land. One of the things that we are really trying to encourage is raising livestock, especially sheep, underneath those solar arrays. 
He says it's a win-win for sheep and solar developers. The panels themselves create shade that can keep the sheep cool on hot summer days. And the grazing animals eat the vegetation, reducing the need to mow. Gould says farmers can also consider using the land underneath solar panels to create a pollinator garden. There's actually a wide variety of plants that we can put in that will support pollinating insects that are low-growing, deep-rooted, hold the soil in place, are nice to look at. He says that if located near an orchard or blueberry field, these gardens can help attract the insects needed to pollinate those crops. So Gould says there's no need to choose between growing food and growing solar. Well-managed land can do both. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. To hear more stories like this, visit climateconnections.org. Welcome to Keep Eating Healthy. If you're an omnivore, there's an alternative to factory-farmed meats. Cedar Valley Sustainable Farms CSA brings you beef, pork, chicken, and eggs, all raised humanely, drug and hormone-free, with respect for the earth and the animals. And since the start of the COVID-19 emergency, they've been doing non-contact pickup at delivery locations throughout the city and suburbs. Go to cedarvalleysustainable.com or click on the Keep Eating Healthy logo at mikenovak.net. Attack of the killer tomatoes. Attack of the killer tomatoes. They'll beat you, bash you, squish you, mash you, chew you up for brunch, and finish you off for dinner or lunch. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, I, I told, I warned you that I was going to play that in the second no! hour. Um, I was going to play it with the tomato guys, and I thought, no, let's try out some new yeah. ones so they can hear the new ones. And the new ones were actually really good. So, and as you can see, I've gotten away from the COVID nineteen bump yes. music. And that's that was also a nice little lead into Attack of the Killer Asparagus. Uh, shall I uh, promote it again? Uh, so that, and if you don't have a copy, you need to go to Around the Black <laughs> Around the Block This is my book. It has not sold sixty thousand copies, but you can make it sell sixty thousand copies just by ordering one. And some people say it's funny, um, but perfect summer reading but some people think jerry lewis was funny so what are you gonna do makes a good gift for father's day get that order in today there you, you know? go there father's you go day, yeah it's the best bathroom book ever if i might just promote myself does this mean now when i go on when we post this on youtube i have to click the little box that says self-promotion or whatever they have there is nah. this fun is this fun nah. well i'm not making any money off of this so i i don't think that counts uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Um, speaking of tomatoes, uh, speaking of food, um, and great conversation with Karen Lehman. It takes us to our own Keep Eating Healthy, and you're hearing uh, those commercials run today. We added a couple of new uh, uh, partners to mm-hmm. the campaign. Uh, Joe's Blues uh, out of uh, Michigan near uh, South Haven. And um, you were saying a lot of people know about uh, yeah. Frank Corrado and Joe Corrado and Joe's Blues. Um, I've seen them at a couple of farmer's markets. I saw them 
at a Faith in Place indoor market a couple of years ago and back at the old Good Food Expo. And the other one that we added is Eden Place Farms. Uh, Michael Howard was on the show last week and we got to talking and I said, you, you got to be part of this campaign. And they're a CSA right here in the south side of Chicago. And I sent out a newsletter the other day. I, if you didn't get it, you need to go to my website, MikeNovak.net, M-I-K-E-N-O-W-A-K.net. And sign up for the newsletter. I don't send them mm-hmm. out very often, so they don't crowd. <laughs> In fact, <laughs> constant contact yells at me because when I don't send out enough, they get mad at you because they, you know, that's how they make their money. You've not reached your readers in a long time. Oh yeah, whatever. And um, and uh, but I send them out occasionally, and we yeah. we listed a lot of these organizations uh, on that email and uh, it's good to see folks are following up. And yeah. uh, and if you did not get that email, as Mike said, go sign up. Don't wait because there'll be one, another one. And one of the cool things uh, about Eden Place is that uh, they're putting a little twist on the whole idea of a CSA where you can you can cancel an order. That's unheard of. You you And you pay for it when you pick it up or when it's delivered, however they set it up. And so uh, go to my website, go to the Keep Eating Healthy logo, which is on the right side of the page, right under the Black Lives Matter uh, sign, and, um, and try out some of these folks. These are, these are the kinds of organizations we were just talking about with Karen Lehman that are making a go of it during very, very difficult times. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're trying to help them out. Uh, so you can help them out by ordering from them go ahead and and you know dive into it not everything has you're going to appreciate this peggy not everything has to come from amazon uh so there we go (laughs) um and uh, i hope local shop uh, local eat local exactly shop local eat local know your farmer um and sometimes your farmer is yourself as Mm -hmm. in the case of our tomatoes i didn't get a you and I didn't get a chance to talk. It's kind of interesting comparing our yards uh, right now. You live north of the city. I'm smack close in the, to the lake. Close to the lake. You've had cooler temperatures. And, and again, uh, we'll be talking to meteorologist Rick DeMaio in a few minutes about just how cool it's been here. And it has been unusually cool. Uh, obviously not great for tomatoes, but not bad. I mean, my tomatoes look fine. They've got all of them except one plant have blossoms on them. And one of the plants actually has two tiny little tomatoes. So I'm very happy. And you're jealous, aren't you? I have no blossoms on any of the tomatoes at all. I, I, really? Or as of, as of Friday, I didn't look at them yesterday, but yeah, um, I, I don't, I do have a couple blossoms on a couple of pepper plants though. Oh, good. So go figure. I, I, I don't know. I stopped growing pepper plants several years ago. Um, they just, they're ubiquitous. They're so easy to get a hold of. Uh, I just, I'd rather have the, I buy heirloom, you know, I do heirloom. No, I understand. I I get, I get it, but I am growing. uh, I've got baby uh, kale and Mm -hmm. baby chard uh, that Kathleen started with our happy leaf grow lights. There we go. Me too. Uh, And, but what we've been doing and it's been very successful is when you grow in the happy leaf, if you take a Mason jar, and they have these pellets, round pellets that you put in a little basket at the top. And then you, you put the uh, fertilizer in the water. It's a soluble, water-soluble fertilizer. And then you put the seeds on the pellets and, and moisten it. And then they germinate. And they send the roots down into the water. Now, 
yes, uh, sometimes transplanting uh, a root that has started in water to soil can be a little tricky, but not in this case with these baby, especially the baby leaf chard. Mm-hmm. Oh, we just, I kind of pull them out of the jar and they got that long trailing yeah. root. And then I, I dig a hole straight into the ground out in the yard and I just sort of place it in and, and gently put the soil up around them. And they, every single one of them has taken like, cool. uh, like, like a champ. Yeah. And so we're going to have a lot of baby leaf kale, uh, which is, or uh, chard rather, which is kind of like, it ends up being like spinach. Yeah, <laughs> love chard. Because, and this is good because my spinach crop was a disaster. Nothing germinated. And I think it was because the seed was too old. And as I said, during the COVID, I, you couldn't get seed. And I was just using what I had available mm-hmm. in the house. And I think it was just way too old. Yeah, I've got charred many, many varieties of kale, um, some collard greens. I decided I had some collard seeds and they're looking great right at this point. Well, good. I, I don't have collard. I have kale, but I've had I- issues with kale. And that's the other thing is that I had these kale plants. Oh, yeah. I, they disappeared. They they got eaten by something. And I, and I have had two survive. Now, that's regular kale. Uh, I think they're Russian red. Um, but the baby leaf kale, I've managed to get a few to germinate. And I think I'm going to have a crop of that. But the regular kale, uh, I had the lacinato. Mm-hmm. And that's the dinosaur kale gone, eaten by something out there. Hmm. Um, well, you, but, you could still start some now, though, because you can yeah, plant that later. Yeah. I mean, I mean I, now's I, a good time, actually, to be starting all the later fall, you know, the stuff you plant in September. I'm also going to have an awesome beet crop. Ooh. Uh, yeah. I got lots of beets out there. And did those, germinated those indoors in soil, not in the, the happy leaf grow uh, pots, but... Um, in soil under happy leaf lights though and then planted those out and those all have taken and they're uh, we'll see i'm just hoping to have a great that's, in my yard that's chipmunk food <laughs> everything I can't, I can't even try everything's <laughs> chipmunk food in your yeah, they, yard they let the kale go usually and the uh, and the cucumbers and stuff like that but for some reason the baby beets the baby carrots things like that gone i think they you, just dig it up for the seed if they get to a certain uh, level of growth do they leave it alone or will they just yeah. attack it yeah once it gets so you, bigger. you gotta get you gotta get it past a certain stage right yeah 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 if you put a larger seedling out they'll usually not always usually leave it of course yeah. then they decide you just start eating take one bite out of every tomato but that's a whole other problem well yeah that's that's another thing and we uh we caged our strawberries this year if you ask Ron Cowgill, my friend, he said uh, <laughs> his, his yard has been overrun by the strawberries I gave him a uh, half a dozen yep. years ago. Uh, mine are not like that. They're mine kind of settled back this picture. year. It, not not as many strawberries as usually, but this year the garlic has taken. There's just garlic everywhere that I really? wild garlic from seed. I've got some of those too, where it's. Uh, the soft neck is is that yeah. what it is? Yeah, yeah, the spring garlic, which is great for scapes. We'll be getting scapes in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I, and those pop up in my yard too, and I have mm-hmm. no idea where they come from. I didn't put them there. Nope. In fact, nope. a lot a lot of stuff in my yard had just pops up, and and I yeah. and I wait and I wait to see what it is. Often it's just a weed. 
every now and then. <laughs> like, wow, what's that? And I put your nodding onions in in the fall, the ones I got from you. Those are doing great. Oh, the, the, the I'm not the nodding, the walking onions. Yeah. The walking, the Egyptian walking onions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are really, really cool. Uh, and then, yeah, and their little bulbs come on the end of the leaf and then they, it, the weight causes them to drop to the ground and then they root. Yeah. And that's how they walk. They, uh, and those are, I got those from uh, uh, Lamanda Joy at Peterson Garden Project a few years ago. In fact, when I was in the hospital, she got me those and I sat them on the porch. I was re- recuperating and they sat on the porch and they were all dried and desiccated. And I went, oh, what a shame. You know what? I'm going to plant them anyway. <laughs> and I did, and they sprouted. So, and now they're in my garden too. So and, now they're go. in, and they're going to take over the world. Uh, all right. Well, we're, we're just about to break here. Uh, when we come back, we've got uh, meteorologist Rick DeMaio. And he, you say he just sent you something. I have, I've got, yeah. four, I got four minutes to look at. And it, right? he's in Florida. Oh, well, well, I hope he's not in a packed uh, pool. All right, having margaritas. I think he's he's with his parents, I think. Yeah, I think he is too. Um, we'll find out why he's been so cool. I guess we got warmer weather on the way. Your tomatoes will like it and a lot of other things will like it. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're glad you're with us today. Please stick around. Rick DeMaio is next. Welcome to Keep Eating Healthy. Our friends at Eden Place Farms are offering affordable local CSA shares with a twist. You pay for these organically grown boxes of vegetables each week as you receive them. You can skip deliveries without penalty and even get custom orders to eliminate allergens and unwanted items. Best of all, you're supporting a Chicago-based operation whose goal is to provide affordable, high-quality organic produce to the region. Go to EdenPlaceFarms.org or click on the Keep Eating Healthy logo at MikeNovak.net. Welcome to Keep Eating Healthy. The folks at Prairie Fruits Farm and Creamery raise more than 100 goats on their Champaign, Illinois farm. The herd is pasture-based, the goat milk is seasonal, and they're animal welfare approved by A Greener World. They offer a wide range of fresh shove, including plain, herbs Provence, cracked peppercorn, and seasonal flavors. Try one of their exquisite bloomies or a goat milk feta. Go to prairiefruits.com or click on the Keep Eating Healthy logo at MikeNovak.net. Mosquitoes transmit deadly diseases like Zika and West Nile virus, but Summit Mosquito Dunks kill mosquitoes before they're old enough to bite. Just float an organic mosquito dunk in ponds, bird baths, and any standing water to kill mosquito larvae for 30 days or longer. Don't worry, mosquito dunks won't harm people, pets, fish, or wildlife. Mosquito Dunks, available at fine garden centers, hardware stores, and online. Visit SummitResponsibleSolutions.com. From small boat to your table with complimentary no-contact delivery. Sitka Salmon Shares brings traceable wild Alaskan seafood direct from their small boat fishermen to your home. They're a community-supported fishery offering shares of their harvest just like your local CSA. Wild caught in season and with respect for the limits of the ocean. Responsibly harvested, hand-processed, blast-frozen, and vacuum-sealed. Sign up today. Use promo code MIKE25 for $25 off your share. Visit SitkaSalmonShares.com. Rolling back, rolling, there's a chicken in the car. A chicken in the car, and the car won't go. That's the way it spells Chicago. A chicken in the car, and the car won't go. That's the way it spells Chicago. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and my dad actually told me that joke uh, when I was a kid. Um, But what was it? I couldn't. 
Chicken in a car and the car can't go. That's how you spell Chicago. Ah. And I didn't even know there was a song. Uh, <laughs> of course but, there's a song. <laughs> of course there's a song for everything. Um, Rick DeMaio is with us on the phone. Did uh, Did your dad teach you that song, Rick? The one about getting in the car that doesn't go and it's Chicago? The chicken in the car, in the car, can't go. That's how you spell Chicago. Oh, I get it. So the chicken is, okay, I get it. Um, no, I, no. I think that answers I, your I thought, question, I thought, Mike. I thought, There's I thought, not much to get. Yeah. It's kind of a dumb and joke I, is what I it is. This was, so, I thought this was uh, smart radio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you, you get three dings on that, Rick. <laughs> Oh like my goodness! One for each syllable, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Smart Ray D. Oh, that's yeah. four. Anyway, uh, hey, listen, you just sent us some maps, and we were looking at this big blue blob that's sitting over the yeah. middle part of the country. And and Peggy said, "Well, where did that come from?" I got the same question for you, Rick. Where did it come from? Well, first off, um, I don't know if Peg got my text, but uh, I'm down here in Florida. I'm in the villages visiting my parents. And and we're hoping that you're not in a swimming pool with a bunch of people having margaritas. No, but if you recall, the last time I was down here uh, was the weekend when all hell broke loose. And I remember walking around the pool where people were having margaritas going, I don't think they're getting it. And I distinctly remember sitting at a table with a bunch of people going, this whole pandemic thing is not Trump's fault. And I'm like saying, I didn't say it was. But you people down here don't seem to be getting it. And sure enough, I've been down here or haven't been down here for three months. And it seems like the whole world has come to a screeching halt in some degree. Right. But um, I am not at the pool with margaritas because that pool has been closed since. Uh, but when I was at church this morning with my parents, it was funny how the priest called it the Canova virus. And I was thinking, I don't know if there's a second one, but he obviously didn't get that part right. But Oh my um, goodness. Nonetheless, wow. the, yeah, yeah, the Canova virus. Um, oh but things goodness. are quiet oh down here in Florida. Um, it's, you know what? It's surprisingly not as hot, even in parts of the mm. Southeast. In fact, uh, when I was driving down here the other day, I drove through literally four to five inches of rain um, in the same large area of upper low pressure that was over the Great Lakes that kind of formed east of the trough that came through with Cristobal last week kind of mm -hmm. nudged itself east and kind of nudged itself to the southeast. So most of the southeast is actually going to be very unstable um, with that blue area that you were referring to of, of cool air in the upper levels of the atmosphere. Uh, but for Chicago, um, it's literally going to keep us on the backside of the upper trough. And the backside of an upper trough is really mm -hmm. the front side of an upper ridge. So that yeah. means dry weather. Even though we'll have temperatures probably approaching the upper 80s, maybe 90 degrees by the middle of the week, the dew point temperatures are going to stay rather comfortable. Uh, you kind of saw that on Friday afternoon when that front came down. And, boy, yesterday only 66 for high at O'Hare. And so far, temperatures for the month of June have been averaging about 6 to 7 degrees uh, above normal. So the last couple of days, including today and tomorrow, features generally below normal temperatures. And the next six to 10 days, generally below normal, mainly due to the fact that the overnight lows will probably be a little bit cooler 
than average. The afternoon high is still rather warm, but uh, this is very pleasant weather for the next five days. Uh, yeah, we were talking about it in in terms of uh, being outside. It's perfect. Uh, in terms of some of the crops you're trying to grow, eh, maybe not so much, but it's not really going to hurt them. It's, well, it's better than 90 and super humid for the tomatoes. Exactly, because then the t- uh, your tomatoes don't set seed or set uh, fruit. Uh, but uh, my question to you, Rick, which was kind of interesting because this seemed like this all started when the remnants of crystal ball uh, came up through the center of the country. And then this, how much effect did that system have on creating the weather we're getting right now? I think you got to go all the way back to Alberto and Beryl as well. I mean, both of those storms moved up into the southeast part of the United States and pushed these blobs of tropical warmth into the upper levels of the atmosphere. And when that does that, it creates these kind of U-shaped patterns as opposed to more of a of a weak progressive flow that you typically get in late May and early June. If you think about it, guys, how many times have we talked about tornado outbreaks since early or almost since like the middle of April around here? Zero, right? This has not been the type of spring that has been rendering or promoting large-scale, widespread, severe weather outbreaks, even though we had a couple of really decent wind outbreaks come through it's largely been absence of, t- of, of tornadoes due to the fact that the atmosphere has become this somewhat blocked pattern. So you mentioned Cristobal, but you also have to mention Alberto and Beryl. And once we kind of get rid of that big block in the atmosphere, we'll probably end up going into a fairly warm and fairly dry pattern. In fact, even beyond the 8th of the 14th into the next 30 to 60 days, it looks like we stay relatively dry in the upper Midwest. And usually with that, you get pretty warm temperatures. But as long as you stay dry, you generally tend to keep the humidity levels down. And that'll keep somewhat, you know, of a cooler pattern during the overnight lows. So I think that's the trend we're kind of getting into over the next two to three weeks and probably in the next five to six weeks as well. Generally less rain, still somewhat on the warm side, but with the lower dew points, that'll allow their overnight low temperatures at least drop into the mid to upper 50s, maybe even lower 60s. Wow. And the other thing that's been going on the last few days, which has just been remarkable, is the winds. We've had really, really <laughs> some terrific winds, which is also uh, causing things to dry out a bit. Yeah, I think that's what we talked about last week was the fact that you can get, you know, some fairly decent evaporation without any wind this time of year just due to the sun. But you increase not only the horizontal evaporation, the vertical evaporation, and then when you stay dry overnight, you can keep that evaporation going not for 6 to 12 hours during the middle of the day, but maybe 12 to 18 hours. So as as bad as the farmers had it with the recent heavy rain that now seems like it was about two weeks ago, this has actually been pretty decent weather, you know, good what we call recovery weather over the past week to 10 days, and that'll continue. The only thing that unfortunately continues to go trending in the opposite direction, all the Great Lakes, record high levels, Mm -hmm. um, and as soon as you get any sort of a northeast wind, you get a lot of beach erosion. So if anybody goes down to the beaches in Chicago, they're not doing good. All right, give us a 10-second forecast. All right, um, low to mid-70s today, upper 60s lakefront, upper 70s tomorrow, 
low to mid 80s on Tuesday, and it looks like maybe mid to 80s, mid to upper 80s and near 90 by Wednesday and Thursday, and then next weekend back to cooler and and, and a little bit wetter as well. All right, thanks, Rick. Uh, thanks, Rick. Ever, uh, until next time, go green or go home. Didn't miss much.